Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. I was thinking the other day, we haven't talked about COVID-19 in a while, so we're going to do it today. And unfortunately, it's not a very uplifting topic. As many of you probably read earlier this year, there was an employee at Seas Candies, my absolute favorite candy shop in the entire world, who was exposed to COVID. She came home and passed it to her husband, and he later died of complications from COVID. So a terrible situation for the family. And I think as COVID continues to sort of ravage the world, all of us are having more and more personal experiences with COVID and with the unfortunate consequence that that some people suffer as a result of COVID. There are some interesting employment law angles here related to that case that I want to talk about. First of all, as we discussed recently, there is an interaction between workers' compensation law and employment law, right? We discussed this during one of our recent um, podcasts about how there are laws in the workers' compensation universe that may or may not apply when we talk about the broader employment law context. In this situation, Remember that if there's a work-related illness or injury, generally that is going to be covered by the workers' compensation system. They call that workers' compensation exclusivity. So if somebody has an injury or an illness because of work, generally their only remedy is to go through the workers' compensation system. Now, there are exceptions. For example, there's something called a serious and willful claim where the employer has not taken appropriate steps to provide a safe and healthful workplace, that may be a way to get out of the workers' compensation exclusivity rule. And there are some other ways as well. But when we talk about this COVID-19 issue that unfortunately is coming up more and more frequently, where someone is exposed to COVID at work, and then as a result, they expose people at home who later have very serious consequences. And it doesn't necessarily, of course, have to be death to create liability. It can be something where somebody is just really, really sick and they they lose work because of it. So there are economic damages, for example. So one of the things that is very interesting in this C's case is when they were sued, they went to court and they tried to get the case dismissed. They filed what's called a summary judgment motion. And they said, look, we don't think you can sue us for the death of your husband for a lot of reasons, right? But the main reason is that if there's an illness or injury related to the workplace, that should be covered by the workers' compensation system. Well, the trial court said, no, we disagree. We're not going to dismiss this case. We think if there's evidence, for example, that C's didn't do what they should have done to protect their employees, or they didn't take appropriate steps consistent with their COVID-19 prevention program or plan, then that may be a basis for liability. Now, C's obviously was not happy with that decision, understandably, and they appealed. 
the California Court of Appeal actually agreed with the trial court. So what the court said is, listen, although C's might be able to argue that if the employee herself were injured by COVID and certainly could argue successfully that workers' compensation is her only remedy, right? There's that exclusivity. Because the person who was injured was her husband, there's no work relationship there. So C's didn't get to dismiss the case on the grounds that that workers' compensation exclusivity applied. Now, what the court said was, listen, if you don't have workers' compensation exclusivity and you're in a situation where there's a third party injured like there was here, then there's a negligence claim, right? And so the employee could sue C's Candy for negligence by saying they didn't take appropriate steps to prevent the spread of COVID, for example, at her store or in her uh, manufacturing facility. But then she's got another problem because she's got to prove that C's Candy owed a duty to her husband. So if you're an employment lawyer or you've studied negligence claims at all, you know that the foundation of a negligence claim is that there's a duty that is owed. What is C's Candy's duty to the husband, right? That is going to be hard for her to prove. Now, in the context of a global pandemic like COVID-19, there may be a better argument that there's a duty owed because the idea of, for example, the California Department of Public Health, the Centers for Disease Control, the Cal OSHA folks who promulgated the emergency temporary standard, they're all focused on community, right? They're all focused on what do we do as individuals to keep the community safe from COVID-19? So because that's sort of been the foundational principle when we talk about COVID, the argument that Seize Candy owed a duty to the employee's husband may have a little more weight than it normally would. The other thing, of course, is the employee is going to have to show that the husband um, became ill because of her exposure at work. That could be a very tough thing to do, right? Because these days, of course, COVID appears to be everywhere. I mean, for the longest time, we didn't have anyone in our family who had COVID. And now my mom and my daughter have had COVID. My brother-in-law was just diagnosed with COVID. Like this disease, if you will, this virus is really rampant right now. So we, we have to look at how is she going to prove that she was exposed at work and that is the exposure that made her husband ill. Now, obviously, C's Candy has some, some arguments here in terms of how to defend themselves against this case. But the bigger picture I want you to understand is every employer needs to take all reasonable steps, all reasonable measures to prevent the spread of COVID. And it's a moving target. One of my favorite clients is the EVP of HR at a credit union down in Southern California. And she always wants guidance, appropriately so. Jen, give me the three things I need to do. Give me the seven things I shouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole, right? 
And when it comes to COVID, she and I have had a lot of conversations about how frustrating it is that we don't have a lot of really specific guidance. Certainly on isolation and quarantines these days with the CDPH and the ETS, Kalosha's ETS, we, we've got a lot more. We know how many days somebody needs to be out and when they need to test and what to do if they test positive. But there are so many unanswered questions when it comes to COVID that as an employer, you've really got to embrace your responsibility here, not only to your workplace, but to your community. What steps are you taking? Do you require folks to do a symptom check before they come to work? It's a good idea. Now, taking a temperature, most people have decided that's not really worth it. You don't have a lot of situations when folks who have COVID have a temperature. So it's not necessarily the most re reliable method of identifying potential COVID these days, but still any sort of pre-screening is a good idea, right? What you wanna do is make sure that you're doing everything you can to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So do you have proper ventilation? Are you encouraging people to use good hygiene practices in terms of washing their hands? Do you allow people to work at home when it's possible and feasible and they can get their work done? It's important to take a step back and think about the world before COVID. And I have to tell you, I can barely think of it. I don't know that I can really imagine when we were a world that didn't have COVID. I think COVID may be around forever. And we're going to keep learning how to navigate it, how to address it, how to enforce our policies surrounding it. So COVID is a huge issue right now. And I know many of us from an employment context, we're tired of talking about it. We've written policies. We've tried to follow guidance. We've read regulations that are 100 pages long. You know, we're just, I think many of us fed up with it. We just don't want to have to deal with it. And I get it. But you need to find a renewed sense of enthusiasm for COVID-19 uh, prevention because the litany of responsibility that can come if you don't do that is really significant. And of course, nobody wants to think that someone in an employee's family passed away because we didn't take appropriate steps to deal with the spread of COVID-19. So I just wanna really encourage all of you and remind you if your CPP, your COVID-19 prevention planner program is not updated, please reach out to your attorney to get that done. Make sure you have a very simple but robust process internally to identify potential COVID-19, uh, to prevent it, to adopt appropriate procedures and implement appropriate protections when there are outbreaks or major outbreaks. All of those issues are very important. And until we really get a handle on COVID-19, this is something that all employers are gonna be dealing with. And I'm not even going into vaccinations or testing. There's so much out there on those issues. We could have a discussion just about vaccines that we could probably take two weeks to do, right? It's just, there's so much out there and so much for us to talk about. But from a liability perspective, I don't want you to rely on the workers' compensation exclusivity doctrine. If you've got an employee who's been exposed to COVID and they go home and expose someone else and someone in the household gets ill, 
you may very well face a claim. So you want to make sure you think that through when you're implementing your policies and procedures and how you want to go about getting all of these protections and preventive strategies in place. Everyone stay healthy, stay well, and we'll see you again next time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction. 